1: Lauren Lee Chen and the twins, Aaron and Joshua Fishman. Welcome aboard on the NBA Beat. I'm Aaron Fishman. I'm glad you found us or are tuning in again. For this timely Mavericks edition of the show, I'll be hosting solo, Jason Derulo style. And as it happens, my guest is also a Jason, the Emmy award winning director Jason Gallagher, who now serves as head of production for the Old Man in the Three podcast hosted by JJ Redick and Tommy Alter. A third Jason, Jason Kidd, is a quarter of the way through his second season at the helm for Dallas, six months after shepherding the franchise to its first Western Conference Finals since its lone championship more than a decade earlier. With point guard Luka Doncic playing MVP basketball and expectations as high as ever, Gallagher, our favorite Jason of the three, comes on at a particularly fraught time. With Jalen Brunson now in New York, the Mavericks are mired in mediocrity, as they've dropped the most winnable of games and all but one of their road tilts. And the schedule doesn't get any easier, with national TV affairs against Golden State, Phoenix, Denver, and Milwaukee all on tap within the next week and a half. The Mavs have lost all five times Doncic has failed to score 30 points, and a sixth time when they opted to rest their superstar. Also notable, his usage rate and scoring are the highest of his career, as is the percentage of his made shots that have been unassisted. It's a whopping 89.2. Now that I've made your head spin with that number and the prior context, let's make your head spin just a little bit more with Jason Gallagher's insight and charm. Here we go. Jason, it's a pleasure to bring you back. How's it going? Dude, it's going great. I appreciate you having me.
0: It's dark times in Mavericks land, but that's uh, that's when Mavs Twitter shines brightest. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, we're definitely going to delve into that right now. Just as you alluded to, such a fascinating time to have you on. Luka Doncic making history with his play, but it's not exactly translating to the broader team's success. He's leading the league in points. Um, just doing things that are unheard of. As a 23-year-old, one example really quick, he became the second player in NBA history to top 7,500 points, 2,000 rebounds and 2,000 assists a little bit ago, accomplishing that feat in 280 games, career. Oscar Robertson remains the fastest to do it. Um, But like I said, the brilliance that we've seen from Luka, it hasn't been enough for Dallas to be elite or even much better than mediocre What is missing right now? Are they too reliant on him? Just talk a little bit about that juxtaposition. Yeah. Um, First off,
0: I think that Mavs fans need to uh, rally together and stop the spread of fake news that this is somehow Luca's fault, as some national media pundits have alluded to, because that is just straight-up lies. Right now, he doesn't have a second playmaker, and he had one last year, and he had a really, really reliable one last year who is – become even more reliable for his respective team this year. And so Luca missing that right now um, for as brilliant as he is and as brilliant as he can be, it makes them fairly easy to scheme for if you're a defense. I had a great conversation with my boss who knows much more about basketball than me. Uh, And it really, it, it comes down to that very simple, concept, it's something that Toronto exploited last week that is just like the Mavericks love to run high pick and roll. If you blitz Luca and you just dare the Mavericks to make a better play without him, it's not gone well this season. I believe that the shooting will improve, but I believe that the Kemba move is a result of not having a second playmaker. Spencer's just not that. <laughs> he is about as good as an X factor could possibly be. And that's what you want. It's where he thrived last year. But as a reliable sort of playmaking second option, I think that we're coming to find that he's just a little too, he's just not the decision maker that Jalen Brunson was. Um, He didn't have the steadying sort of temperament that Jalen Brunson was. That was my biggest, like, what are we going to miss from Jalen most? And I was just like, he is just a person who doesn't get rattled. He's got a very even keeled temperament, which is which is very good next to Luca, who has a very passionate one. And so right now, if I were to bottle it all up, it is simply that the Mavericks are a very predictable team right now. And they don't have any other option. Nothing to shake things up. And they need it. They need it badly. It's not on Luca. Luca's making the right place.
1: Yeah, on NBA TV, I think it was Isaiah Thomas and Sam yeah. Mitchell. They were saying some questionable things about Luka Doncic dribbling too much and then getting Tim Hardaway Jr. the ball at that, near the end of the shot clock and putting him in a position to fail. Where I, It's like they haven't watched Tim Hardaway Jr. all season or, yeah. or Luka Doncic <laughs> and re- haven't really dug into numbers. I was just kind of baffled by a lot of that talk.
0: Yeah, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to plug our newsletter because JJ He's wrote good. this morning about just the ways in which defenses are exploiting the Mavericks' weaknesses uh and the ability to not have a second option as a playmaker is their biggest weakness right now. And so I'll just read you what he wrote, which was the Mavs don't have any other playmakers on their team. One trend that has happened because of this is an increase in blitzes when Luca runs a pick and roll. And according to second spectrum, Luca has been blitzed 128 times when using an on ball screen this season, more than double of any other player. Devin Booker has been blitzed 52 times. In fact, Luca Doncic has been blitzed 15 or more times in three different games and no other player in the NBA has had this happen once. So he is being hounded, hounded. And continuing to play at the level that he's playing at, it's it's the idea that Luca is in any way, shape, or form even close to the biggest problems that the Mavericks has is asinine, and it is honest to God. I'm not being crazy here. It is sensational television. That's what it is because it's it's just not it's not what's happening. He he can't can't really do anything else.
1: Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like they would have like a. 250 or 300 winning percentage if Luka Doncic was not on this team or didn't play any games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It would be bad. So It would be very bad. Yeah, I'm glad you cited that. I saw you wrote that tweet sharing the excerpt from the newsletter and it's a phenomenal stat. And as JJ Redick notes, you need the shooters then to be able to exploit that. I don't think you just read this, but it was also in that excerpt. Uh, the best way to beat it is to quickly pass to the screener and then you have a mm-hmm. four-on-three advantage. But that doesn't exactly work when Reggie Bullock, who's a 38% three-point shooter, is at 28%. Yeah, DFS, Dorian Finney-Smith is five or six percentage points below his average. And that was only because he went off against the Clippers and basically yeah. against no one else this year. Um, and then Bertans doesn't really play that much and Josh Green has been playing and doing well, but it's a low volume. So where do you get more of those three-point conversions? Is it Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith just playing through these slumps and just shooting like we know they can? Um, I know Campbell Walker hopefully is on the way to provide some scoring help, but he's not exactly a pure three-point shooter. So where do you get this help from?
0: Yeah, I I think that the shooting comes... From the guys that you have in the game, this might not be the most popular opinion on Twitter, but I am a write it out kind of person. I believe that if you're a professional basketball player and you have averaged a certain percentage for most of your career and you haven't changed much, you're going to have slumps. Like it, you just will. The best, most disciplined, most routine guys in the league go through pretty significant slumps. You know, I've seen some people alluding to the fact: well, maybe they should play more lineups with very specific guys who happen to be shooting very specifically well in this specific time. And I, I am a little bit more on the sort of like, no, who are you going to be playing deep in the playoffs? And it's going to be Dorian Finney Smith and it's going to be Reggie Bullock. They're going to get the playing time because the the decision from the front office was for them to be those roles. So I believe that the shooting will improve simply by just shooting.
1: That's just how it works. And I don't think you want a guy like Bertans there in a lot of minutes defensively, no. especially in crunch time or in the playoffs. I felt this way with
0: some previous Mavs teams where it's like anytime we'd put Bobon in or anytime we would put certain players in, it felt almost like a little bit of a desperation move. And if I was the opposing team, I would be like, oh, I smell blood now because they're bringing that guy in. That's how I feel a little bit with Bertans. When the Mavs put him in, I'm like, oh, they they're desperate. And that's that's what it feels like as a fan too, but yeah, no, I mean some of the personnel stuff. I am on team. What are we doing with Christian Wood and why is he not playing way more minutes? But I'm also I'm not on team like play Josh Green over Reggie Bullock. I I, I don't think that that is the move yeah. right now because Reggie Bullock has had a has made an entire career like his entire livelihood is based upon the fact that he's a very good shooter. I do believe that, um, you know things will average out there.
1: Even though you do expect some players' percentages to rise to the mean, um, do you think that another move may be on the horizon if they continue to kind of hover around 500? I think it kind of has to be, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's very easy to,
0: as a fan, to be talking in hindsight all the time. The Jalen Brunson thing is one of those things that would have calmed fans down in the regular season, it definitely would have. I think that Dallas is in a much better place right now if Jalen Brunson is playing. That said, I'm still of the opinion that I don't know if he's, if we're winning a title that way. And that was kind of like, I think, probably where there was a little bit of butting heads on Mav's Twitter. There was a little bit of butting heads probably amongst anyone who cared about the subject. But in the end, you know Dallas could use him right now. Uh, I do think that you have to make a move. Look, I tweeted this yesterday, and I, I, I've tried to be a lot more um, civil in my criticisms of the Mavericks. So I don't tweet very often uh, when I'm when I'm upset with them because I'm just like, who who's this for? Why is it, why am I doing this? <laughs> but yesterday, I kind of was like reading a bunch of tweets from fans and internalizing a lot of my own frustrations about the team, and you kind of come to this conclusion of like, why? Why does this feel more frustrating than before? Why does this feel like a weird stretch? Tim Cato tweeted that this is about as down as he's seen Mav's Twitter in a while. And I think the reason, obviously making the West Conference Finals increases your your sort of expectations, but I also think that there's a level of like you have a generational superstar and, and as importantly, you have a core that you've invested a lot of time and a lot of resources to developing that still feels like a work in progress like it doesn't feel whereas other teams with cores that have stayed that connected that have gone that deep in the playoffs you feel so much better about and 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 it's just because because it's worth you you invest in things that you feel like are worth it and right now it's like why does this not work why does this feel like it doesn't work and And then why are we still, why am I still watching Dwight Powell play? If it still feels like he's trying to figure it out. And I think that that is why fans probably feel frustrated. I do think you got Luca in the playoffs. Literally anything is, it can happen. I guarantee you there is not a single team in the Western conference finals that wants to run into Luca in the playoffs. Nobody does. So you have that, but, I do think that a move has to come. I think anyone but Dory and Finney Smith. Honestly, I'm willing to say goodbye. Like goodbye. Wow. Like, okay. I, I, I that's how that's how I feel because I'm just like mm. I, I don't yeah. I don't see I don't I just don't see it. Like Luca has drug drug a lot of teams to a lot of places. I think he could do it. I think you could do it again. You know, I don't think losing some of these players are going to like be huge detriments to the team. So,
1: yeah, clearly there are some big problems with the team and I don't want to come off as an apologist or making excuses here, but if we're being realistic, it's only a quarter of the way into the season. Mm. As you just mentioned, they made it to the Western Conference finals last year and you look at the Western Conference and it's so bunched up. So they're really not that far out of it in terms of record. It's just not really looking too good right now in terms of results. There are a lot of close games. Mm. They've been like 50-50 in close games. have had a lot of bizarre games. They beat the Clippers after blowing a 25-point lead. And then they barely hung on when Reggie Bullock scored all the points he scored all season in the fourth quarter, basically. (laughs) Um, They had that weird game against the Nuggets. That halftime thing. Well, how you how you know how to explain that, how you feel about the if
0: you're a Mavs fan, how you feel about the Mavs says more about your own personality than maybe the Mavs. So so that is that is just kind of how it is, because my counter to that as a natural pessimist is like the Mavs have had a pretty easy stretch over the last few weeks. It's yeah, it's going to get a lot worse and it's going to get a lot worse a lot of back-to-backs, a lot of things like that. And the fact yeah. that they have not been able to capitalize against some of these mm-hmm. games that have were supposed yeah. to be gimme games. Like, yeah. I'm not mad at Jason Kidd for resting Luka against the Rockets because theoretically the Mavericks should be able to beat the Rockets without Luka. And that's how you build, that's how you find your Jalen Brunson's, like, really. Like, Jalen yeah. Brunson started thriving when Luka sat. So, yeah, that's my natural pessimist view i do like it is a wild western conference right now like as wild as i can honestly remember it and so anything can happen and we have one of the best three players in the league i think Mm -hmm. so so that's optimistic but the pessimistic view is like dude we've, we've not we've not hit even close to the hard part of our schedule yet so
1: yeah, no, that's definitely fair. And uh they of course they face Milwaukee twice this year, and the second time is again in about a week. So mm-hmm. there's really no rest for the weary for them. I'll be at that game, by the way. Oh, really? That yeah. should be a good one. I think my I think my boss is calling that game. Oh, nice. Yeah. Right as you were saying that though, and, and uh <laughs> I was just thinking um about some of these losses. Forgive me, I just have to mention these they're really bad on paper. So they lost to the Pelicans without Zion or Ingram. The Magic without Paulo Bancara. The Wizards without Beal and Porzingis. And the Nuggets without Jokic, Murray, and Gordon. And the Raptors without Siakam or Barnes. Yeah, um, they're nine and ten. Even if you have three of those, that would be twelve and seven, which would be lot more respectable, and there's of course the home road disparity: they're eight and three at home, one and seven on the road. So these numbers aren't going to cut it. I, I want to move to happy talk for a second, and I don't yeah. think it's unreasonable because, of course, Luka Doncic is one of the few names being mentioned as an MVP contender, provided that uh, the-, the Mavericks can start playing better basketball collectively. I'd love for you to just outline for me some of the tangible ways in which he's improved upon his play last season, because from what I can tell, he's playing better than he ever has right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I agree completely. I think that what I like from what I'm seeing about from Luca is this sounds really ridiculous, but I feel like he's getting the spots that he knows he can score efficiently more often I used to watch him last season and there were times where I was like, Oh, you're shooting this shot because it feels like you're bored. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's like, I just posted up twice. I guess I could do it again, but where's the fun in that? That's what it feels like sometimes when you're watching him. And this year it feels like I just posted up twice and it's working. I'm going to do it until I like, they do something different. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like his decision-making is a lot better. I do. I feel like he is, um, you know, that 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 to me feels better and i think that that comes with some confidence like it sounds so silly but his free throws being better is such a big deal it's like such a big deal for as to why i think he's improved why i think his shooting at or his scoring averages are up like that to me is just the small details that make or break certain games and so i've really enjoyed that side of things um it's hard to talk about the season as a positive, but yeah. he is just playing on an MVP level, mainly because of the that decision-making. Mm-hmm. It's just on another level right now. Again, out of these blitzes, he's making the right passes. I mean, he's doing everything dead on, and then some. He's making passes that like you didn't even think were possible. Yeah, it's just those little things like that. I mean, he was already amazing. He's in shape. Yeah, that's that's Luca being the the issue is it's just never it was just never like crossed my mind watching him this year. If you watch every game like we do, probably it's just like never crossed your mind that Luca was the issue. Um, and trust us, like Mavs fans, they love beating themselves up. They'd be the first to say it. And he's just out of control right now. I don't know. I'm yeah. v- speaking. I'm speaking very like vaguely,
1: but it's really hard to like. It's really hard. I mean, what do you what are you seeing? I can give you more specifics on what you said because um, the numbers really bear it out. Some of the things really jump out to me. Like for instance, so he's second in free throw attempts per game. Only Giannis is ahead of him, and he's never been even close to eleven attempts per game. Last season, he was I think around seven and a half. Another really interesting thing to me, and um, his three-point percentage is a little bit down right now. But if you look at his two-point percentage, and that goes to the efficiency and the decision-making, it's the best it's ever been at over 60%. Last year, it was 52.5. Yeah. So when you're getting those good looks and getting to the line, it just helps you so much. And that's how he's not even really attempting many more shots, but he's now upwards of 33 points per game. So that just goes a long way. Have you been able to tell, too, that he has better conditioning just from being busy in the offseason with the Slovenian national team? Can you tell, even though there's a downside that we'll talk about where he's been fading a little bit um, in the second halves of games?
0: Yeah. I mean, he looks he looks better. Like, it's, it's sometimes it's just, it, it physically looks like he's uh, in better... In better shape, but not as puffy. I have a take on on that a little bit uh, that I'll just share right here. I'm not. I don't think I've said this publicly. So last year he came he came in quote unquote out of shape. Still, by the way, playing at an all NBA kind of level. Like let's just mm-hmm. like his down is like oh yeah. he only averaged like 24 points during that stretch. You know, so but he had a horrible haircut for a bit okay <laughs> we we used to joke about it on the show because i think jj even made fun of it. like he, he like got in his comments and was like nice haircut so the haircut was very 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 weird and i think it made him look bigger anyways that's that's a, that's my aside if you go look around november december of last year and go look at some instagram pictures i'm telling you it's just if you want the data there's the data um in all seriousness yeah i think he just generally looks thinner. I, that's that's the best I got. Yeah, but I, he I is fading, like... like you said. He is fading, but that has to yeah. do with the that has to do with the toll he's taking just on the team.
1: Yeah, definitely. You can come in in amazing shape, but be relied upon to such a, a ridiculous extent. Um, it, it's not only minutes which are up. He's over thirty-seven minutes per game, second only to Donovan Mitchell this season. But it's also what you have to endure throughout those minutes so he's creating for teammates he's scoring a lot he's taking the punishment like we said getting to the line that much and so it takes a toll and I want to read to you the fourth just the quarterly numbers and it doesn't really make sense to say it by points per game because he naturally plays fewer minutes in the second Mm -hmm. and fourth quarters but if you look at the shooting percentages it's pretty stark He's over 50% every single quarter except the fourth. And in the fourth quarters, he's 37%. So in first quarters, 52%, up to 61% from the field. In second quarters, 50% in the third quarter. And then just such a drastic decline in the fourth quarter at 37%. Another way I can put it, he actually plays a minute more in second halves than first halves yet he's averaging 18.2 points and 4.8 assists in first halves, but down to 14.3 points and 3.3 assists in second halves. Yeah. Yeah, so just such a heavy load. His usage rate is through the roof. It's outrageous. So I guess my question about that is, is more needing to be done? Is it just kind of like what we've already talked about that – guys need to play like they have in the past and if they don't then there needs to be a move and that it's as simple as that i think i think it's we have to demand more from this poor guy no no i think it's as simple as that i really do I, i think
0: it's like look the the reason why you love this sport is that it's a puzzle and if the pieces don't fit they don't fit and it's like right now they don't fit and and that's what it feels like i know it's i know it's a little bit of a panic talk and I'm not I'm not saying blow anything up I'm not saying do anything I'm just saying that like the answer for sure for a fact is not putting more on Luka I yeah. think losing Jalen is enough putting pretty more I mean you're seeing him you're seeing him insisting on staying in all of fourth quarters and things like that my guy you have to keep him away like he he will want to be out there for as long as he possibly can I, I just think that, you know, if the shots start falling from those uh, role players, the load gets way lighter on him, and then he starts playing better. It's, it, 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 that is the puzzle that you want to solve. How, how do you get that out of him in the fourth quarter? Well, maybe he doesn't feel like he needs to create magic. It, I mean, it, it really is. I, I was having a discussion. like The further you get from last year's season, the more you're just kind of like, man, it felt like magic. But it, it was and it wasn't. It's like his guys are hitting shots. He now has the flexibility. The defense has to has to back off on the blitzing a little bit. He then can play a little bit more free. It is all this one big puzzle. And if those guys aren't hitting shots, and if he can't, if he can't have another guy out there, another playmaker who could just make decisions, you know, he can only take you so far. It's fun. It's really fun to, to watch him try to make something out of nothing, but it's not, it's not going to be fun when he never makes it to June in a Mavericks uniform.
1: So yeah, exactly. It doesn't appear sustainable. And we got the news of the Kemba Walker signing within the last 24 hours. I think that might've broke this morning. What realistically do you think he can provide for this team at this stage in his career? He was working out in Florida, just staying ready for that next opportunity hoping it would come and, and it's come here with Dallas.
0: Well, I think expectations have to be set the right way ahead of time, which is <clears throat> I was texting with a friend last night and he texted me. I told you about the Mavs because he predicted that they would be much worse this year. And he was like, they need shooters. And I said, well, they have shooters. They need playmakers. They need somebody who can play make that doesn't necessarily always mean a high volume score. And so, that's the expectation for me going in is like, I don't, I'm not looking at Kimba to be this shooter scoring machine kind of player. Like I, I, you're looking for somebody who can run an offense in a way where they they are a scoring threat, but they know how to, they're seasoned enough and hopefully athletic enough that they can, you know, become a, a nice second option playmaker and I know that's a lot you just sign the guy and you're kind of like you need to be our second option playmaker but he kind of does that is what I would be looking for if I were them it's these possessions where it's running over and over again and it's like your third straight play in which Luca has been doubled and you've seen a brick or whatever it's just sort of like okay let's run something different let's like try to just shake things up with this defense and Kimba Walker you know I I personally like it I, I kind of wanted him to do this a, a, a while ago just for that simple reason. He's a high, he's a high IQ player, um, at least traditionally he was. And, you know, hopefully he's kept himself in good shape. But just the playmaking and the decision making, that's where it feels like, you know, the ability to let what he be that X factor again, you know, it's it's just playing the role that you, you sort of like are where you thrive in, you know. And I think that that right now, I think right now it's like you're trying to get Spencer to play a role that I don't think he thrives in.
1: Yeah, this is how I think about it. I'm curious to hear your opinion on it. And this is going to be way oversimplified and, and inexact. But I guess from afar, you could think of it as like Dinwiddie is taking Brunson's role this season, even though, as you pointed out, he can't be that same guy. It's just... Not in his DNA, but he's kind of been forced to take Brunson's role, and then is Walker kind of having to then take Dinwiddie's role? From I, I see it, I see it's flopped. I I see this switched so let, a little bit. Just Dinwiddie, just stayed being Dinwiddie. Be Dinwiddie, yeah. Like and I've, I've said, this has to be like a poor man's Brunson, I guess, just like I, a, a, little a, little,
0: a little bit, a little bit, and and but just on the on the calming, like I said, the, the sort of calming decision making front. That's that's where you need him. You don't need him to score nineteen a game. Um, it would help, certainly, definitely would help his his score ma- or playmaking ability. But it is sort of like, look, just from like a, a a shrewd terminology standpoint, it's sort of like every team needs an X factor, but teams don't need two. And it's like Spencer Dedwitty and Tim Hardaway Jr. are two X factors. <laughs> And I just feel like they're just—that's too many on the floor at one time to kind of yeah. like, because because you're just sort of like guessing at at times with those guys. I know Tim Hardaway Junior. has not been as as good this year, but nothing would make me happier than than Kemba, you know, coming in and just sort of steadying things so where, yeah, it, you know, other guys can kind of fit back naturally into their roles because you're noticing a lot of like trying to facilitate coming from other guys or you're kind of like, do you do this? Even Dorian a little bit. It's like, is this, you, is this what you do? You, you, you're doing that now. And, and, yeah. and it's, it's kind of, it was, they don't but seem it, comfortable I, you, necessarily. No, they don't seem comfortable, but you get why they're doing it. It's because they're missing yeah. Jalen. And right. that's the part where man, I over, I whiffed on that so hard. I thought, you know what? We'll be fine without him. But it, it it's so clear why Dallas is not
1: fine without him. And when Luca got injured, he was huge um, in that role. But then even when Luca was back, it just I think it helped so much to have those three guys: Dinwiddie, Luca, mm-hmm. and Brunson. And even though Dinwiddie's not a primary passer, he can distribute. But right now, it's mostly just Luca and, and Dinwiddie doing the distribution. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more show. Well, the NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many unknowns. Like, for instance, will Benedict Matherin challenge Paolo Bencaro for Rookie of the Year? When will Paul George and Kawhi Leonard actually play in the same game again this season? Will anyone other than the Bulls and Cavaliers beat the Celtics? Is Luka Doncic going to average 35 points per game while his team finishes below 500? The questions are endless. When people I know are looking to get in on the action, they bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 dollars pregame game money line on any NBA team to win its game, and get $150 in free bets if it does. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings Stepped Up Same Game Parlay. You just go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same game parlay, and combine multiple bets, like which team will win, who will grab more rebounds, and a lot more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, and the bigger your shot to win big. Download the app now. Sign up with code TBPN, place a $5 pregame running line bet on any NBA team to win its game, and get $150 in free bets if it does. That's code TBPN. Only a DraftKings sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Hey, this is Justin Rowan, host of the Chase Down podcast, and you're listening to On the NBA Beat. You just mentioned Tim Hardaway Jr. It, it pains me to ask you this, but if you can indulge me, can you just delineate how bad he's been tim hardaway jr and is there any sense of how we can get him back on track uh i mean uh it's that's a tough injury to come back from i mean
0: that's that's kind of it it, when you're looking at not look
1: healthy too or or
0: no he does it It looks yeah i don't i i don't know he 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 looks he physically looks like the same player um yeah you know, I don't see any like differences in his jump shooting mechanics, but it's like the, the best thing, you know, the, the sort of empathetic way to look at it is, is that it takes a little bit of time and conditioning to get yourself back to where you were. That said, I don't know. I mean, even pre-injury, I didn't think he was like the answer, you know? And it's like, that's kind of what Mavs fans are looking to him as at sometimes, And again, it's sort of like a player trying to fill a role that I don't know if they're best suited for, you know what I mean? It's like, it yeah. reminds me a bit of Wiggins. It's like a little bit of Wiggins where it's like, man, Wiggins just fits so beautifully at golden state because there's no, there's a system already. And, and he just fits around it. I bet Tim Hardaway jr. Would thrive in situations like that, you know, where it's not as much pressure. I don't know. It's a weird thing, man. I wish I like him as a, as a dude. And as a, a player, when he's playing well, he's really like just a huge load off of Luca. Like, it just feels like, ah, finally this team looks right. It's when he's Mm -hmm. playing good. And um, it's just, it's kind of too few and far between it, you know, lately. So
1: the the thing with Hardaway Jr. too, he's shooting 31% from the field. Mm-hmm. I just don't even know how someone who was that good of a scorer, even when they're not right, could be that bad. It. I mean, I guess it's a small sample size, and it probably won't continue to be that bad, but you just have to feel for him. It's g- got to be hard to dig your way out of it yeah. when you've just been struggling so badly for so long, and your team needs this offense from you so i guess that could ostensibly help him that walk is coming in maybe reduce the pressure and then if it doesn't happen for him it doesn't happen for him in dallas but yeah
0: yeah i mean it's 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 like shooting is just such a weird thing man and and getting to work with with somebody who is an all-timer at it it's I hear the same thing. You know what? One thing he jokingly says is people say it's like riding a bike. It's not, he's like, it's not at all. If I take, if I take a month off of shooting, I'm just not like, even right. He was like right now. I like, I'm not a good shooter. Like I couldn't, I'm not, I'm not a good shooter. You know? And it, it's just like, when you do that, when it's that routine and it's that muscle memory and then you take that much time off. Yeah. I'm sure there's some, I, I, I can't imagine as a person who's never done that and it's, I just can't, I can't imagine it's as easy as it probably looks to fans, which to me, it's like you're back, which shoot the ball, yeah. but I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's a curve there. I would love to see him back and ready. I'd say the one thing, man, I really wish we'd play our rookie a little bit, just, just a little bit. I don't, I kind of don't see why not. What's your take on this?
1: I don't know. Um, what are the minutes available, though? Would you just have Tim Hardaway Jr. just playing last? Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, <laughs> are you in? I think it would be fine. I mean, did we just fix but, it? Did
0: we just solve the Mavericks just now? I mean, <laughs>
1: I don't know. It's probably a lot easier said than done, though. I feel like Josh Green should get more minutes too, though. Um, yeah, I agree. But I'm just looking at at the shooting numbers, and I haven't really seen him or Dallas enough over the course of the season to give a nuanced opinion on that. But I don't know the, the stage of the development of this Mavericks team. I don't know that you want a rookie playing a, a lot of minutes though, but I mean, at least give it a chance. It's just,
0: it's, Yeah. It's just one of those things where look, they just signed Kimba Walker and they're like not even a quarter of the way through the season. That's never a great sign. Let's just, like, be honest with ourselves. It's never the best sign. NBA. Yeah, it's not a it's not a great sign, just optics-wise. So there's clearly a somewhat of a desperation and trying you know, to find a second playmaker. And I yeah. just – I watched a little bit of the Legends last year, and I'm a little bit like, why don't we give this kid a shot just in certain moments? Um,
1: You're you know, talking about Hardy, right? Yeah, yeah. He's been putting up really good G League numbers, right?
0: Yeah, so so I'm just sort of like Osterisk, definitely, but still. If you are as desperate as it sort of appears you are to figure this out and let's face it, like Luca, conventional wisdom just says there's no way he can continue this kind of workload and be effective in the playoffs. Like really, I I fully anticipate a period of time in which we don't like he's either hurts himself or something where he's gotta like take a break. Um mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I just think you you drafted him. I know this the development and where the team is is just very shaky right now. And maybe, maybe if a big trade does happen, they can try to slot him in somewhere. But I just think that the playmaking part of things is the thing I, I keep coming back to just how vacant that is right now. Yeah. And that, that's and, And at this point, it's like, you have all the spot up shooters you you theoretically could need. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's my take. But yeah,
1: no, I think it definitely makes sense. And one of the guys who really has been shooting well is Christian Wood. He hasn't started all season. So it's a little bit of a new role from him. He's the epitome of a journeyman. He's like 27, I believe. And he's been on seven teams over the last seven seasons. I'm curious what you think about his potential future in Dallas. He's a free agent next year, um, and there's all kinds of question marks about um, how they build around Luka that Dallas has to answer. Dinwiddie's contract is only partially guaranteed next season. Um, So I'd love to hear what you think the Mavericks – Should or will do with Christian Wood, and also I know you want him to get more minutes. But do you think for now he should continue coming off the bench? Is does that seem to be working, or would you put him in the starting lineup? I would put him in the starting lineup. I would. Um, Who would you take out? Would you not have Reggie Reggie Bullock start, or do they need? I don't know about the. I need to look at the positioning. So
0: yeah, they've shaken things up so
1: much lately in the starting lineup it's confusing. That are, so Tim Harley yeah. Jr. got his first start of the year <laughs> against the Bucks out of necessity. Didn't help. Shot no. two of eight from the field, and it was only because Bullock was resting. So it's kind of like uh, like musical chairs here, trying to figure out what works. But you would find a way to get Christian Wood in there.
0: Yeah, I think he's been I think doing so. Well, I think Wood next to Dorian Finney Smith. I know it's a kind of a small lineup at that point, but I don't know. I think I would, I would try that. I think I would, but you know, that's an easy answer, but it just sort of feels like it just sort of feels like you want him playing at his best. There, There's also just some stuff, like the way that they're talking about him in the media, it's just so strange. The way the kid kind of put a damper on the third quarter, which was the only quarter they won. And it was the quarter in which Christian Wood started. And somebody kind of alluded to that and he was like, well, was you know, and it's just sort of like a weird phrasing there. But then at the same time, maybe this is just NBA conspiracy. But it
1: feels like Luca is constantly advocating for him, constantly. And Luca had a quote saying that he really liked the unit that started the third quarter. So exactly, I and think he's making it clear. Maybe it's a little passive aggressive, but still, he's letting it be known. Yeah, and so wants, I feel like
0: yeah, and so that that's a little bit of it. And I'm just sort of sort of like. I know that defensively it's not the best, but I just feel like you find a way to start him. He's so clearly the Maverick's second best player right now, and the fact yeah. that he's not starting just feels so silly. It just feels really, really silly, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. It, I don't know. When you look for, I mean, at the numbers, he, when you look at the numbers for like a like a half a second, you're just kind of like, my guy is averaging 16 points a game in about 24 minutes, folks. I I don't even need to go that deep. Like I don't even need to go that deep to see that it it is obvious um, that he is making the most out of his minutes. And again, it's just sort of the phrasing of things. It's the J and like, not to get too into like just reading into it, but it's just sort of like, do you consider starting wood? No. It's like, why not say all things are considered, but we're not doing it this, but it's just sort of like, we're never, we're not considering it. Like that's a strongly worded thing to say. And that's the part where I maybe there's some annoyance on the coaching staff's part with the media constantly asking about it. But I don't know why you even bring him in if if it's not to start. You know, you, starting Dwight Powell is just no championship team. That's not going to happen.
1: Yeah, if there's a good reason for not starting him and it has to do with the matchups and and yeah Um, the combination of players then i'm open to hearing that um and i don't necessarily think it matters if he starts or comes off the bench as long as he's playing more like 32 33 minutes per game relative to 25 25 minutes
0: have they have they explained have they explained it like you said if there is a good reason then sure but have they given any because the reasons right now is well you know so and so had it going.
1: And it's like, no, I haven't not- heard an, an adequate explanation. But I mean, the one that I can guess possibly is maybe that he wants them to, him and Luca to be staggered, maybe. Cause like you said, those are the two best players on the court at any one time. They, on the right they just now. play completely different
0: roles. Like you can't, sta- like it doesn't make sense to stagger them, in my opinion. It's like staggering LeBron and AD. It's like, why would you do that?
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. Not that. Not
0: no. that Christian Wood just, is Anthony I Davis. I mean, I'm just yeah. saying.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, No. No. I. That's what I heard you say. No. I'm just. Kidding. <laughs> um, no. But. But what I'm saying is to make sure that at any given time you have one of those guys on the court. I guess is a different I, way to say it. I can see that. So maybe if he doesn't start, then there's a better chance that some of those bench minutes when Luca's resting. Wood will be on the court, but but then it, under that logic, if you want him to be on the court, why only 25 and a half minutes per game? Exactly, it's just head scratching. It doesn't make a ton of sense. I mean, like, look,
0: I've seen on Twitter some, some discussions about his defense and stuff like that, that possibly being a key contribution. But I just am sort of like, but well, yeah, I guess, but like, our options are limited, even though they're not. We have a lot of bigs, but the options are sort of limited in that space so i'm sort of like i would rather dallas just have great scoring and putting a little less pressure on luca on that front than to than to like we know what the maxi thing is we know what the dwight powell thing is we know it's ceiling, we know where it can go and so that's the part where i just am You're completely right. By the way, it is the minutes more than the starting, but it's just like the starting is symbolic of something that it it just doesn't. You don't like the stubbornness and 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 sort of like I don't need to communicate this. I I, I don't know. I just I think that there is a there is a responsibility from a head coach to communicate to the media to the fans when they're asking questions like that because it's fair you have fans for a reason they want to know totally why a
1: fair question I, I feel like from the head coach's perspective it's like I, I don't have to reveal all this stuff I just got this team to the Western Conference Finals and you can't have that that me against the world attitude or I think it'll wear thin I think mm. the media and the fans will get sick of it quickly if he continues
0: especially that when it's something this obvious especially when it's something this obvious
1: I only have one more question for you. And before I go into it, I really want to thank you again so much for doing this. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, it will not be six years again between (laughs) appearances. We uh, actually just brought on uh, Justin Rowan recently. And it was the same situation with him that it had been five and a half years or so. And um, the Cavaliers haven't exactly been that great over that period. So maybe that made a little bit more sense. But yeah. We really went too long, and um, I'm glad that we could do it again. And we'd love to have you on again soon. But Anytime. I, I, thank you. I just wanted to follow up on that. Any more perspective you can provide on how you think the front office is going to move forward with, with those guys I mentioned, Dinwiddie and Wood? And just more broadly, what are the biggest questions that they have to answer with regard to how they build around this generational superstar?
0: Yeah, I love... Love this question. It's my favorite part of basketball. Sometimes it's just thinking about team building. But I'll say I'll say that I usually refrain from very specific sort of answers because again, it's really easy and theoretical for fans to just sort of be like, "Oh, I wouldn't have done that." When it's like, I don't know, man. There were a lot of fans that were like, "You shouldn't pay Brunson." Like he's not gonna, you know, I, I was a little bit like on the fence about it. So it's really easy in hindsight to look back and be like, should have played Brunson, but who knows, yeah. you know, every single fan on my timeline, I don't care what anyone says, thought the KP trade was a massive win for the Mavericks. And it turned out to not be. There you go. So things are very easy to sort of critique. What I find to be most fascinating though, is building around a generational superstar in a modern Era, And if the Mavericks have the wherewithal to really understand what that is, because a lot of the criticisms I sort of had for Donnie Nelson and for Rick Carlisle was sort of like, we play a good brand of basketball and that is what's appealing, but it's not appealing anymore. And so it's sort of like, how do you make Dallas an attractive destination? How do you build properly through the draft and then manage a team that wants to play with such a ball dominant player? Like there's so many moving parts there. And I really think that you kind of go Le- LeBron, either heat calves and you kind of give them the keys a little bit. And I know that sounds crazy, but it is a generational superstar we're talking about. And I'm kind of like you sell the farm and you get, one to two big names, and then the rest come dying to play. That's That has worked so many times for LeBron. It's sort of crazy where he says, I don't care if we don't have depth. Get me this guy and this guy. And then in the buyout market, this guy and this guy are going to want to come. And then all these people are going to take pay cuts to play with these three players. And that's how these sort of like generational superstars have sort of operated lately. And Luca just reminds me more of LeBron than he does of Steph who's going to be incredibly sacrificial <laughs> with the way that he plays incredibly, you know, sort of just low key. I'm not saying Luke is not team first. Cause he definitely it feels like he is, but he he's a ball dominant superstar. Like yeah. he's a generational talent. He is the best, I think talent since LeBron and LeBron is a very interesting sort of like model to look after and that's not as fun and it's not as Disney movie like, which the Mavericks love and the Mavs fans love and I love the way the Dirk won, I would I wouldn't trade that in for anything in the world. But it's like this isn't Dirk. This isn't 2010. This is 2022. Players really, really run this league. And if you don't let them, they get can get really mad about it. And if you don't surround them with splashiness and they can get upset about that, and I, I kind of worry that Luca at some point. I mean, after every game, you got to imagine this guy's hearing it. You know, when are you going to come over? When are you come this team? When are you going to yeah, do this? Yeah. You know, and it's just sort of like at a certain point,
1: you got to think, all right, like we gotta, we gotta do what we can to get Bradley Beal. <laughs> so basically, increase flexibility to get one or two stars, and see I what do, happens. I, I kind of
0: think, and then I kind of think that. You, if you build it, they will come, you know. We've seen it so many times where it's like, why would this player go there? And then you're just like, oh, they just want a t- title. And again, I think Luca is the kind of player, he reminds me of a lot of LeBron. And this is what I said about why I like the Christian Wood thing. He, LeBron would take outcasts, you know, and it's sort of like Luca is doing that a little bit with Christian Wood right now. A, a guy who's sort of an outcast, we'll bring him over. We'll make him good. And I think the players would want to play, with that kind of like, you know, we if we come home of ring chasers, that's a good thing for Luca, you know? And so that's how I would do it. And that's like, uh, it, it kind of kills me as a fan to say that, but I kind of think that's what it's going to take to get them actually over the edge. I don't think that there is a, a feel good way to do this.
1: <laughs> that's okay. You're just being honest. And sometimes the best explanation is the simplest. It, it might just be something simple that they just have to get done. And then from there, he and the Mavericks could flourish, but we'll end it there. It's been a pleasure. You know, I could talk all day about anything, basketball with you. Thanks so much. We'll have to have you on again sometime soon. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. A huge thanks to Jason for navigating his unpredictable shooting schedule to grace us with his presence. You can find him on Twitter at jga 41 agur and his terrific production work by checking out The Old Man and the Three. This episode was hosted and produced by yours truly, Aaron Fisher, with preparation and transcription help from my co-host and friend, Lauren Leach, whom you can follow on Twitter at Lauren Helch. If you liked what you heard, do us a favor and subscribe for more episodes by searching On the NBA wherever you get your podcasts. And if you feel so inclined, Drop us a five-star review while you're there. Those really do go a long way toward expanding the show's reach. On the NBA Beat is part of the Basketball Podcast Network.